Welcome back to the Han Talks First Star Wars podcast, and today I am giving you my very belated but very much deserved review of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first. So the reason I'm doing a review for Rogue One now is because I just got back from watching the IMAX re-release of the film as they're gearing up for Andor. And of course, they played some early footage, some extended scenes from the show that I'm going to share with you a little bit more about here as well. But it reminded me of two things. One, I had never done a review for Rogue One on the podcast before. And two, wow, do I miss Star Wars movies in the theater. It was it brought back so many memories of going to The Force Awakens and Rogue One when it first came out and having just being surrounded by Star Wars fans in that environment of a theater and getting to see the magic on the big screen. It was epic. So that's why I'm doing this today. So I know it's late, but hey, better late than never. So I'm going to talk a little bit about Uh, my thoughts on the character and the story and the overall aspect of Rogue One, but I wanted to first start about talking about the Andor footage that they showed us. Now, to be as transparent with you as possible, I have not been looking forward to the Andor series. There's just something tonally about it that doesn't really appeal to me as a viewer, and not as much as a Star Wars fan, but just as a general consumer of television. There's just something about it that I don't find appealing. I will admit the second trailer that they released was an amazing trailer, and Star Wars has been very good about their trailers in the past, so I will give it that. And I was thinking going into Rogue One with the extended scene that they were going to play for us, maybe it would change my perception on viewing it. And they played the scene, they actually released it on YouTube, just a brief version of it, and it's the first time Andor meets Skarsgård character after he's hired for a job and he receives some kind of box from the Empire and he asks how he how he was able to get that box without the Empire finding out he's a rebel. So we saw the full scene and I will admit it was very hard to follow out of context of the whole show. It felt like watching the scene in the finale of Seven where Brad Pitt opens up the box and finds his wife's head without watching the whole rest of the movie before watching the ending. It was just so out of context, it didn't work as promotional material. Now, it didn't heighten my excitement for the series at all. And originally, I wasn't going to watch Andor. And if I was, I was going to wait till all the episodes were out and then just binge it in one go. But I will say, I will be reviewing Andor on this channel because... So many of you have asked me to do that, which is great. And I'm looking forward to it for that reason, just to get to talk with you guys some more. So I will be watching Andor. I will be reviewing it. And I'm really excited that the first three episodes are dropping at once for many reasons. One, we know that this show is divided into three segments, kind of like segment programming, but for television. It takes place in three different years of Andor's life, his early years, mid-years, and then the years leading up to the movie Rogue One, which I think is a brilliant way to map out the story. I think it'll bring more coherence and formula to the narrative, which is something we've been seeing be a major issue in Star Wars films and TV show in most recent years. (laughs) (laughs) Obi-Wan, the sequel trilogy. 
<laughs> all kidding aside, I think it has some potential. Now, one thing I am excited about for Andor is it is being showrun and written by Tony Gilroy, and he's also directing a few of the episodes. Tony Gilroy was the writer of Rogue One, and he's also the infamous director who actually saved the film. So a fun fact about Rogue One is that we all know, and it's in the marketing material, and his name is on the poster, that Gareth Edwards directed Rogue One. Well, that's partially true. And by partially, I mean 50%. Gareth Edwards was the first director assigned to execute the movie Rogue One. He came in, he shot the film, and apparently there was tons and tons of issues with the movie. It didn't work with test audiences. It didn't make sense narratively. There was this non-linear structure about it that was hard to follow. So Tony Gilroy, who is a very seasoned director in television and film, actually was hired by Kathleen Kennedy to come in and reshoot a lot of the movie and also re-edit it. So Tony Gilroy is the uncredited, unsung hero of Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So him transitioning into the TV show is very promising because he wrote these characters. And he may not be a massive Star Wars fan, but he's a massive Rogue One fan. And to see him get to expand on the lore that he's created, I think that's definitely the route to take. Now, we could talk all day about the production issues of Rogue One and how, you know, it really isn't Garrett Edwards' movie. And for those of you that might think that that's, you know, false information, well, let me ask you. Gareth Edwards directed a billion dollar film in Rogue One. I think it was actually 1.6 billion. With a director with that type of repertoire attached, how come they haven't directed a single movie since? How come they haven't been offered a movie since Rogue One? Well, it's because of the reasons we just laid out. Tony Gilroy came in and saved the film. So consider that as you're watching the new Andor series, and maybe that'll give you a new perspective on Rogue One. So let's talk about the film. Rogue One, I remember when it first came out, everyone, all the Star Wars fans were really excited that we're getting a Star Wars movie every year. Now, there was some confusion amongst the general audiences because some people thought that Rogue One was supposed to be Episode Eight, and they were a little confused and juxtaposed to the fact that these were new characters and a different storyline. So I will say the marketing did fail in that aspect of it, but... It was still a great movie. Now, at the time, I thought Rogue One was just good. Not okay, not bad, good. It was a good film, and I really enjoyed it. One of the issues I had after my first several watches back in 2016 when it premiered was the character of Jin, Jin or so, our lead, our lead female. There was something about the character that just felt extremely flat and not at all developed or fleshed out. And that's interesting because when you compare her to the supporting cast, Saw Gerrera, K2SO, Galen Urso, Cheerit, Booty, Mon Mothma, Senator Bail Organa for the little bit of screen time he has, those characters are extremely specific in their disposition and their characteristics. And they actually have a little bit more backstory to them. We see a lot more motivation in those characters and different temperaments and talents from them. But when it comes to Jin, especially after watching it on its re-release in IMAX, I was very much asking the question, what does Jin want? What is her goal? 
I mean, when we first meet her, she's a child and she, her parents, her mother's killed and her father gets taken by the Empire to build the Death Star and she goes into a life of hiding and becomes kind of a rebel outside of the rebellion. She's her own independent woman, getting a life of crime, all, all sorts of bad stuff. Nothing really too good for her, um, her look. And then when she finds the message from her father, she decides, okay, I'm going to go back in and, and save my father and, you know, join these, this alliance of, of rebels and see where it takes me. So at that point of the movie, which is the, the midpoint, she decides she's going to rescue her father. But then after that, her father dies, and now she is free of that weight, you know, the weight of not knowing where her father was, if he was okay, all that kind of stuff. So now that that weight is lifted off of her, she can kind of become her own person and decide what she's going to do. And we don't really find out what she wants to do with her life. Now, she goes on and she helps uh, Andor and she helps their little band, their Rogue One group, to go and get the Death Star plans. But was that earned for the character of Jyn Erso? I really don't feel that it was because it didn't feel like it was something she wanted to do from the beginning. It didn't seem at all, we don't really know anything about Jin. We don't know what she wants, what her motives are. And I think that's the biggest thing. We got a little bit of pathos with her father, but as far as what she wants to do outside of that, I think the movie fails on delivering that aspect of it, which is another reason why I partially think we're getting a series on Andor and not of Jin. Let's talk about Andor. Andor was one of those characters that I didn't think was all that great when I first watched the movie. But now that I've watched it again in the re-release, there is actually a lot to this character that I never realized. And the biggest part that it hit me was when Chirrut is talking to him in the cell. And he tells him, you're the type of man who looks like he carries his prison with him wherever he goes. And I was like, wow, that's a really, really interesting line. That's the show I want to see. Usually people's go-to response is when he says, I've been in this war or this, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. That's nice. But that doesn't really tell us anything about Andor. It just tells him he's been fighting for a long time and he's been surrounded by war. But personally about him and how he goes about his life, the line that Chirrut gives him where he carries his prison wherever he goes, that tells you so much about that character. And that's the show I hope we see, where he's kind of closed off. We still don't know in the movie what his goals are either, like why he really wants to take out the Empire. We, knows he, we know he hates them. We know he's been oppressed uh, by them for, since he was six years old. But what specifically? We don't know. Did they kill his parents? Did they hurt his dog? Is he pulling a John Wick in the Star Wars universe? <laughs> we don't know. And that's a great opportunity for the show to pick up those pieces. I think two of my favorite characters are actually uh, Chirrut and his his mate. Let me see if I can... What is his name? Baze. Baze Malbus. Okay, Chirrut and Maze. They are... If you want to ship any couple in Star Wars, that's who you ship. They are fantastic. Chirrut alone could... I would watch an entire film about this guy. I mean... The history with the wills, the fact that he's a guardian of the wills. He's been there when it was flourishing with Jedi. He's, he's old. He's, he's blind. So he has an interesting attachment to the Force. 
and an interesting perspective on life. And he's also really funny, and the dude can fight. And his relationship with Baze is one of the best in Star Wars. Those are the Rebels I want to see more stories about. Usually, when it comes to Star Wars, I like to see myth building. And I love to see adding on to the lore, such as the Force and Jedi and the, the Empire, the politics of it. And I think the Chirrut character is a great reflection of all of those things, especially with the Force. Star Wars, to me, is about the Force. It's about our spiritual awakening. It's about how we connect with others and the world. And then it's also about politics, which leads me into my other remark on Rogue One. It's a very political film. Political-ish, maybe. Not too political. But it embraces those fundamentals of the original Star Wars, which one of them was politics. It was about a a reflection on the politics in our real world and how stupid it is sometimes. And of course, a mock of empires taking over and small groups of alliances forming to end that destructive behavior. So I really love those aspects of it. And especially the addition of Saw Gerrera, who was in the Clone Wars and was added into the character that was previously built for Rogue One. If you don't know, originally Tony Gilroy had outlined this kind of um, neo-terrorist for the story, where he didn't really have allegiance to one group or the other. And it was Pablo Hidalgo with the Lucasfilm Story Group who actually suggested he name him Saw Gerrera and base it off the character from the Clone Wars. And I think that was a perfect addition. And of course, played by Forrest Whitaker, is the best possible choice. He was amazing in this role. I remember when it first came out, watching him in the trailer, the line delivery he gives, and then adding on to his lore and what that character has been through. He lost his limbs. He has a breathing apparatus. And he says, when Jin comes to see him, he says, are you here to kill me? There's not much of me left. It's a powerful moment. And that is, again, a nod to how all these characters are really fleshed out except for Jin Erso, our lead. Isn't that strange? So anyway, if you want to watch or listen to an episode I did about Saw Gerrera, I did a fascinating piece on how Saw Gerrera is a terrorist, and he's viewed as a terrorist by not just the Empire, but also the Rebellion, because he has no allegiance to anybody. Again, just a very, very interesting character. Another great addition to the cast was Mads Mikkelsen as Galen. I love having Mads in the Star Wars universe. It's unfortunate that he dies in Rogue One because I would love to see him more. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like Darth Vader, right? As far as uh, connectivity to an actor or a performance, and that was really great too. And of course, the Darth Vader stuff is incredible. Actually, when we first sat down in the theater on this re-release, I the opening credits were started, or at least the um, The title sequence came up, and I leaned to my girlfriend, and I said, oh my gosh, I totally forgot about the epic ending with Darth Vader. And then I immediately got more excited. And I will say, the last five minutes of Rogue One is truly amazing. It really is. I mean, you have CG innovation with the Princess Leia deepfake, and also Tarkin, which was it still holds up to this day. It's one of the best deepfake CG faces out there. 
and I can't wait to see what Lucasfilm does next with their technology. But also it has that amazing cat and mouse with Darth Vader trying to get those plans. That was shot so perfectly well. And to think that it was a last minute decision during reshoots, that that actually wasn't in the original version of Rogue One. There's a lot of things in the original version of Rogue One that didn't make it to the movie. For example, the ending was originally supposed to end with a wedding between Jyn Erso and Andor. How much would that have sucked? (laughs) And the reason they did that was because they didn't think Disney would allow them to kill everybody at the end of a movie. Which makes sense. Disney just bought Star Wars, so naturally the writers were probably like, eh, they're probably going to want to Disney-fy everything. So kudos to Disney for making a very adult, a very grounded, a very gritty, new political thriller in space. And the last thing I'll say about it is this really is an emphasis on the war of Star Wars, about the dirtiness of the rebellion, that you have to have bad things happening on both sides. War is nasty. And it's great to see good dogfights, uh, great action, things like that. And the political intrigue inside of it, all of it works together and complements the story really, really well. So talking about it more does get me a little bit more excited for Andor. I'm still not thrilled as much as I was for Obi-Wan, which ultimately I was disappointed. And that's probably why I'm not excited for Andor. But I will watch it and I'll give you my honest review as soon as it comes out. But that's it for the Rogue One review. Actually, I'll say one more thing. The shots of the Death Star and all the space exterior shots, it's some of the best cinematography in Star Wars, period. It looks so amazing. I even go as far to say the shots of the Death Star and the space shots look better than those in The Force Awakens. Think about it. (laughs) It's pretty great. So yeah, Rogue One is a fantastic film. My biggest complaint is the lead character, Jyn Erso. Definitely could have been fledged out more. I think the other supporting cast is what makes this film so great and so emotionally gripping. And then it's a great space political war thriller. So yeah, let me know your thoughts in the comments below. Be sure to leave a like on this or just let me know your thoughts. And check out other great episodes coming in the future on Han Talks First. So now everyone, somehow, someway, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.